Listening Dog Media. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Offside Rule Euro Show is brought to you by HTC, official smartphone of the UEFA Champions League and UEFA Europa League. Hello there. This is a very special extra for Christmas. We had an HTC pubcast. Hopefully you downloaded that show. And this is a little extra, an added side, if you will. You don't want that around Christmas when you've had the turkey and everything else, but another side. Uh, it's a Q&A with Ray Parler. I'm joined by Hayley McQueen. Hi. Also Kate Borsay. Hello. And we are the stuffing. We are. <laughs> We are the stuffing. We are the Christmas stuffing. I'm what? the carrots, the, the bit on the side. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> the meat Ray in the, the sandwich. Turkey. The meat in the sandwich is Ray Parler. Ray. I'm, I'm enjoying it, being, being the meat in the sandwich at the moment. I'm, I'm on the top table here. It's really good. I'm really enjoying myself. We've got audience members who want to ask you a few questions. They've been having a think. We've been using the hashtag HTC Pubcast and getting people to send in some questions over Twitter. We've got Sean Thorne. We have. Standing by. Standing by. With then. a few questions. And us ladies have a few questions as well. Uh, I'll start us off then. I'm going to ask you, what was your proudest moment in Europe? I can't ask you that one. No, no, no. <laughs> Uh, my proudest moment, um, probably one of my proudest moments, was uh, when I was captain away from home in uh, the San Siro when we beat Inter Milan 5-1. They beat us at Highbury 3-0. There was a top side then, absolutely different class. We went to Italy and they put, we probably didn't think in our own ability that we could beat them by that scoreline. We had Dennis Bergkamp out, we had Patrick Vieira not playing. I was playing central midfield with Edu at the time. We had Carnu and Thierry on the up front, Perez on the left, Freddie Lundberg on the right and, and the back four. I think Sol Campbell, Martin Keown, people like that. And we beat them 5-1. And probably one of the proudest moments because I was skipper. And the Italian fans clapped us off. They couldn't believe what they'd just seen. And uh, in, in the dressing room after the game, I think Jens Lehmann was our goalkeeper. He stood up and said that was one of the proudest moments I've ever been involved in in a football match because th- these are a top side. He played for AC Milan as well, which was probably something to do with it. So, you know, and I couldn't believe that Patrick Vieira got his armband back because I was a skipper that night. <laughs> And I said to Arsene Wenger, how can you get back to Patrick Vieira? I mean, you know, I just beat him to land 5-1. And he was laughing. He said, yeah, maybe we, you can have it again when he's injured. So that was great. What was it like in the dressing room having to tell the likes of Dennis Bergkamp what to do? Well, it depends on where he's playing in Europe, obviously. He didn't go so after places because he didn't fly. Uh, but, you know, he was, he was great, Dennis. He was a, a great player. I think he turned the whole concept of football around, especially for the English players, because when he first came into the club, 96, I think it was, his, his ad, uh, application to training was unbelievable. He trained like he played every single day. After training, we'll be walking in, he'll be practising on his own. And we, all, we all looked at each other and said, he's better than us, but why aren't we practising more? So we started standing up behind a little bit more ourselves. But Dennis was great. He, look, he took criticism. Everybody has to take criticism. If you can't, if you can't handle that, then it's not worth playing football because you're going to have bad games at times. You're going to have times when you need a bit of support from your teammates. And Dennis was brilliant. I mean, absolute pleasure to play with. Uh, and a real quality player. I mean, one of the best ever for Arsenal Football Club. Probably him and Thierry Henry will be one and two either way. Uh, the best ever players. But Dennis was uh, the one that really changed the whole concept of the club at the time. So you obviously played in a great team then with Arsenal. But if you were to put yourself into a team right now and play in the Champions League, 
which team would you want to play for? Who would you want to be playing with and around in midfield? Again, you look at the the, the, the best teams. I mean, if it, if it's England, it would be Chelsea because they're so you know consistent uh, in Europe. They've got a top manager, Jose Mourinho. Everybody can have a go at him, what he says, but he's brilliant, absolutely superb. But if if I had to look at a, a team in in Europe, I would love to play for Barcelona. I think Barcelona would be amazing to play. I look, Real Madrid's fantastic. I don't think I'll pick Bayern Munich because I don't think they've got a wow factor as much as Barcelona or Real Madrid. So definitely uh, playing at that. The new camp or camp new every single week would be superb. How many hat tricks did you score during your career? Uh, I scored two. I scored one in Europe, uh, UEFA Cup in two. Uh, I think it was two thousand. Two thousand. Thanks, Jackie. Uh, two thousand. <laughs> um, away to Werder Bremen, which was a, a tough game that night. We won four two. Believe it or not, Thierry Henry got sent off that night. No. Yes, he did. Carnu, uh, I think, got the other goal. Uh, but it was a really cold evening and the pitch was a bit bumpy. Uh, wasn't the best surface. That's probably why I scored a, probably a hat trick. Uh, <laughs> got a couple of good bobbles, and yeah, you see me fly off my foot the right way. Uh, but yeah, very proud. Moment. The other one was against Newcastle in the league. Um, in I think it was the Christmas party night as well. So I had a really oh, good really the blinds are then. And I remember uh, the chairman Peter Hillwood at the time stood up. He was very drunk at the time, and he went, uh, "I can't believe I just witnessed Ray Pollard scoring a hat trick." So that was a really <laughs> nice com- compliment from uh, the chairman. So you uh, play but, best yeah, when? Yeah, I only scored uh, two, but I used to score hat tricks every week in training. Can I take you back to that <laughs> to that uh, to that two thousand UEFA Cup? Was it? Yeah. Uh, was it, is it right that you were the only Arsenal player who was successful in a penalty shootout? It was, against yeah. Against Galatasaray? Well, they just, to be fair, they just, uh, I think they've thrown a big smoke bomb on the pitch. I couldn't see the goal. So, <laughs> as you said, hit it straight somewhere along the lines of that, that, towards the goal. But no, it went in, yeah. I, saw, I took the first penalty and then, uh, and who, who, knew, who knows who missed? Who remembers any Arsenal fans? Remember who's, who missed? Two very, very good players. One of this, he was a skipper for the club, so that gives you a very big clue. Not Tony Adams, Patrick Vieira, he was yeah. one. And another striker who played for West Ham in the end. Yes, Davos Suka, believe it or not, who was a, a, a top striker. Croatia, we, we know in the World Cup. So we lost on uh, penalties. And I marked a, a guy that, that day, uh, that night, sorry, Haji, what a player he was, Romanian guy in midfield. And he was, he was a brilliant player. And sometimes you had to get take him out a little bit more mm. than, you know, jockey him, because he, he was always one step in front of you, a fantastic player. Uh, I wanted to ask you, because you, you saw those pictures on, the, did anyone see this, um, where Zabi Alonso was on a bench and he d- didn't have a blanket on, and it, he looked really hard, didn't he, and all the others were wearing blankets, yeah. Um, what was your worst ever experience away in Europe? Um, definitely Shakhtar Donetsk um, in Ukraine. I think we'd all, already qualified in the group, and we had to go, this is the last group game, and it was away in Shepter the Nets, and it was the coldest place I've ever been to. Minus 15. The wind was blowing down the pit. It was, it was their old stadium, not their new one. They had no uh, roof on the top, so it was absolutely freezing. And I always remember getting to the hotel that night. And I don't know what the Arsenal um, people, the, the, the uh, travel management, done, but they got us in the worst hotel we could pro- possibly be in. <laughs> you used to walk across the reception, and you, your feet would stick to the mat. That's how, that's how bad it was. And then we, got, we all had our, obviously, rooms, and we went upstairs. We had to take our own linen with us, so we had to make our own beds in, in the hotel itself. 
we got into the rooms, and it's one of them. You, you pull the, the toilet chain, and it comes off in your hand, and things like that. And then you put the water on it, it'd be yellow, and you think, Was oh, it a youth no. hostel? I, I don't know. I, mean, I don't know about I think, the hotel no, youth thing, hostel but I'm be thinking, if you're taking your own I, linen, that's, and, that's probably a youth hostel. Well, I don't know what it was, but it wasn't a very good hospital. Uh, hospital. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a very good hotel, and we took our Arsenal chef with us, the chef, because that's what happens. You always take your, your, the chef with you to, to away games. And he said he went into the kitchen. He shouldn't have told us this. He said there oh. it was... And we wouldn't eat. We said, oh, I'm not, we can't eat. And that night we played cards all night. I mean, no, we must have went to bed at five in the morning or Snap. something like that. We, well, <laughs> put, put it this was way. Was there any alcohol Put it this involved? way. Shatter the Nets were the biggest certainties I've ever, ever seen. And they beat us 3-0. Could have been 5, 6, 7 nil, probably. But we'd already qualified. And the lads, believe it or not, had a shower... The next day, at, at, at the ground, we was all waited. Everybody waited. Said no one, no one getting the showers. We all went down on the same bus early in the morning after breakfast. We, were, we had a shower in the, in the uh, stadium. Then all went back to the hotel again. And that's, that's how bad it was. That was by far the worst experience I've ever had. When the fans hear that Champions League, the famous music, you get that kind of tingles. There are certain grounds where the atmosphere is just really, really electric. Do you get that same kind of? tingly moment where you think wow actually we were, could be creating history tonight you really kind of soak it in different to, to sort of just a regular league match well definitely I mean especially at Highbury Highbury was brilliant on, on a European night it really was under the lights and it, the atmosphere and it seemed to change a lot from, from the normal domestic stuff I think the, the, the noisiest place I won't believe it was Panathinaikos they were absolutely the noisiest supporters I've ever met Remember, we played at Wembley as well. Remember, we uh, Arsenal played at Wembley Stadium, which wasn't great for us because the pitch was big and we wasn't used to playing. We played Barcelona there, and they beat us four-two. And uh, it was I got sent off there one year against Lons, believe it or not. And Lee Dixon, not long after me, got sent off as well. So we had no one down the right hand side that night. So uh, we've had some great experiences, though. I mean, you know, playing in the Champions League is always the ultimate, really, what you can achieve and and. You know, I was always hoping one day we could win it. Probably the best chance we had when we lost to Valencia in the quarterfinals. We would have had Leeds United in the semis. And maybe that would have been the year, because I wasn't there with 206, obviously, when they got to the final. And I'm very unlucky not to win it that year. Who were the players that you feared in Europe going up against? Um, probably Javi and people like that for Barcelona. We played Barcelona at the new Camp and drew 1-1 with them. I think Carnu scored that night. But the midfield was always very tough and you know people like Nedved you know good quality midfielders in them days and you could probably put a tackle in a lot more than what you can now so uh, yeah I mean every single team you come up against whether it's it's a, a Barcelona or or definitely when you get through to the group stages it's always a tough game whoever you play. Who was the player who impressed you the most you've talked about players who you've feared but which player did you see perhaps an up and coming player that you came up against in in Europe who went on to become a big name or just a player who was um, you know stand out really someone you wouldn't obviously come across in the league Totti was a young man mm. coming through uh, he was a top class player obviously he scored probably one of the oldest players now to score uh, so he was top top draw, um, but yeah, there were so many good players. You, you don't really remember them all. I mean, Xavi would have been playing um, a very young young lad at Barcelona at the time when when I played there. So yeah, all top class players. Is it weird when you look at the players now still playing, and you obviously played against them? Do you get a little bit envious, thinking I'd love to be back out there, I'd love to be doing that, or are you you pretty happy just taking a step back, having a beer? Well, Watching we had a beer on. anyway. I mean, that, that, 
that didn't really stop us not playing. But no, I'd love to play. I mean, it, you, you come to you come to a stage in, in your career when you just can't you can't compete anymore, and you just got to be honest with yourself. You always want to play at the top level if you can. I played in the championship for one season. But, you know, the likes of Stephen Gerrard was young lads, Frank Lampard, and they've had such good careers. I mean, I look at Frank and it's amazing how well he's done. And Stephen Gerrard, I know his, his legs are going a little bit now, but what great players in midfield. And you could sense when I was a, when I was an experienced player and they was coming through the ranks that these, these guys are going to be top class when they get older. And, and they certainly uh, not let anybody down. Do you think more players, particularly players right now, should be looking to go abroad and have a couple of years experiencing a different culture? You mentioned Panathinaikos, one of those teams yep. with a really intimidating atmosphere. You've got Luke Steele who left um, Barnsley and he's playing there at the moment. The bottom of the group, they didn't actually qualify for the, for, for the next rounds in the Europa League. But he's doing really well out there. He's actually signed, uh, I think, two or three year deals. He's not just gone out there on loan. He just wants to try something different and not many people tend to do that. You've got Ashley Cole at Roma yeah, as well. Yeah, I think it's great if the English players go out to to foreign, learn a different, um, you know, why they act and the way they train and the way they play every week. I think it's managers as well. I'd love to see more British managers. I think David Moyes, I'm really hoping he does well because if he does well, I think more foreign teams will take a gamble on a British coach. There's so many good coaches at the moment, British people who are out of jobs, who can't get jobs. So I think David Moyes might be the one who can really hopefully give other opportunities and certainly players is you, you learn a different culture and that is what it's all about and I, I'm sure the England manager would love to see a few more youngsters seeing what it's like in Italy or, or Spain or Germany and see how it all works because you know they seem to get it right on a, on a regular basis Get the latest UEFA lineups, stats and news on the HTC Football Feed app available for free on Google Play I'm sure we'll have loads more questions to fire at you in just a second, but let's take some from the audience and also some from Twitter as well from our at Offside Rule Pod account, Sean Thorne. Is anyone in particular got a burning question that they want to start with? Should we start up at the front? Rob Marshall. Right, basically, uh, what, what, what I'm quite interested in is uh, your opinion of uh, why the England team are not doing so fantastically well over the past few years. I think that obviously they're trying to change um, you know, grassroots football now, trying to make youngsters better on the ball and more technically gifted. And I don't really know. I, I, I look at the other nations and they're much more prepared. Look at Germany last year. They're, all them players come through the ranks together and it took time for them to win, win the World Cup. And I've always said all along, we need more coaches. We need more professional coaches who can help the youngsters. Because no disrespect to any school teachers or, you know... When people do a football session after school or, or during school, they're not qualified to teach them what they're doing. They just more or less say, go and have a kick around. So you've got to have more coaches, but it's very difficult to do. The FA make it very difficult because, you know, a normal person can't afford to put £9,000 down to do the effort, to do the courses, to get your badges in the first place, to even think about being a coach. So I think they've got to restrict that a little bit. They've got to get that right down the price so people can afford to do it. Because not all footballers make good managers. I'm looking at Jose Mourinho or some Wenger terrible footballers but they are top managers so um, that opens the net up for everybody not just footballers I'm talking about you know the normal uh, fella walking down the high street he could be a a top coach but he doesn't get the opportunity because he's got to feed his kids he's got to pay for his mortgage and he just can't afford to do it so I think that we've got to have a lot more coaches a lot more facilities for children the 3G pitches are brilliant and and then, then you will see look we won't win the World Cup in the next four years or Next eight years, That's, I wouldn't even forget about that. I would look at more 12, 16, 20 years and, and start the youngsters now to hopefully build them through. 
Hi, Ray. Still Jackie. Hi, Jackie. Um, hi. Um, I just wondered if you had any thoughts on where the next sexy football country would be. I mean, obviously, in the early 90s, it was Brazil. Then it was the Dutch. And we saw the likes of Burkamp and Overmars, the De Boer brothers. Then it went French and everyone was buying French. And by everyone, I mean Arsenal. Then it was, we had a sort of a spate of Italy after they won. And then Nigeria. And then at the minute, it's the Germans. So who do you think will be the next big footballing country? And do you think it would ever be the US after Tim Howard's heroics in the World Cup and how well they did? And, and everyone sort of set up and noticed them for the first time as a footballing slash soccer nation. Well, certainly they're getting big all the time, the US. I think the MLS has been great. That's why they're bringing players in. That's why they had Thierry Henry there. David Beckham started it all off. Frank Lampard now is there. And I think more kids out there, it's such a big country that you've only get half of the country really taking to football. And you know what the Americans are like. They're really drumming into them and, and the facilities will be there for them. Um, so definitely that could be the next uh, step. We saw them in the World Cup, you know, improving all the time. Good, good team spirit. Um, I know they're probably lacking a little bit of quality at the moment, but certainly uh, the US has got an excellent opportunity. Um, you always look at the Middle East, or can they do it? No, probably not at the moment. Asia, they're desperate for an Asian player to really crack it. Um, there's a couple around Europe, but not on a regular basis. Um, so you're looking at Europe more than anybody. Uh, everybody's, is there enough Portuguese players? Uh, obviously Spain have got a, a massive influx of players, young players. Um, but you, I think the South Americans, Argentinians and Brazilians always bring the best footballers. Um, and I think USA will definitely, that's a good shout. I think they will definitely be there and thereabouts in, say, four, eight years' time if they keep developing how they are. Belgian players as well. Do you think we'll get more Belgium. Belgian players? Yeah, Belgium. They, suddenly got, come out of nowhere. They've got an ex excellent side at the moment. If you look at all their players, Benteke, Hazard, Fellaini, people like that, got excellent British players at the moment. So Belgium could be a, a surprise pack. So I think France would be getting better as well. I think in the next Euros, I know it's in France 2016, I think France could be have a really good tournament. Being on home home surface as well, I think they're going to improve from the World Cup. I really fancy them against Germany in, in I think it was the quarters or one of the games. And, and they just didn't play that game. Germany ground, ground, well, grinded a result out in the end, got, the, got the, the win they needed. But certainly France, I think, will have a, have a good team as well. I said... Um, just a question about Arsene Wenger. You know, he's always saying, I didn't see it. Did he ever admit in the changing rooms that he actually did see it, but he was just saying, I didn't see it? He never seen nothing. <laughs> tell, I can tell you a quick story. This is quite a funny one. We was, um, we was in a way game. In, we were playing at Villa Park, but we stayed in a place called uh, Newhall, which is a big castle, and it's a lovely place, a really old-fashioned place. What you should do when you go for away games, you set all your, your food up in there in the, in the main restaurant and you help yourself. So he's gone up to his main course. He's on a big round table, players, players, players. And Arsene Wenger sit right at the back with all the staff and the medical team. So the dessert trolley was over there. So it was only apple pie, simple. So he's gone up to this dessert trolley, got the spatula. Don't know why we was all watching him, but as he put it on his plate, he turned around and the apple went poof, straight on the floor. So we're thinking, what's he doing? Next minute, he hasn't seen it fall off his plate. He's walked all the way through every single, everybody's table, got right to his own table, sat down, picked his spoon up, and he's like this. <laughs> and he's trying to work out where it's gone. So, you know, he is definitely a bit of a... He didn't see it. He's one of them. But certainly, uh, after, after a couple of replays, I'm sure he did. But 
he, he's always been that, that sort of character that he's, he's, he's very clever, but he's got, ain't got a lot of common sense and uh, a bit stupid in times. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, he looks at replays and I think he sometimes sticks up for people and he's trying to look after his players and uh, it's easy. It's an easy answer. What, what do you think about that? I didn't see it, you know, because they, what can they say after that? If he says, well, yeah, and says something controversial straight after the game, that's what the press want. So that's probably why he says it a lot of the time. So we've got a couple um, which have come through on Twitter, at Offside Rule Pod, if you're not following it already. Um, uh, we've got one from Chris here, who uh, mentioned uh, a dig Tim Lovejoy might have said. I uh, said, it's only Ray Parler, apparently. And uh, Chris asked, did that make the cup final goal even sweeter? Well, Absolutely. obviously, I didn't know this till after the game, but um, I'm sp- he's got a point, really. I mean, you've got Dennis Bergkamp, Thierry Marie on the pitch, some great, great players, and it falls to me. So, but I used to do that every day in training. So I, I, I don't know why people, I don't know why people are so shocked with that. But um, no, it was a, it was an amazing moment. And someone told me about it, and uh, it's Bradley Walsh as well. He, he phoned me up and said, "Oh, that was the best commentary I've ever been involved in." because uh, he was a big Arsenal fan. And in the end, I, they had some posters done for Bob Wilson, his Willow Foundation. And one was part one, which is myself scoring a cup final, and then Wiltor scoring at Old Trafford to win a double. So I signed one to Tim. It's only Ray Parler. I sent it to him. <laughs> so I, I hope he's got that on his wall now. I mean, maybe he hasn't. Maybe he hasn't. He probably burnt it, though, you know. But, yeah, I mean, it, it, any goal in a cup final is special. I promise you now. If you can score one from 25 yards, it's even better. That's nice, isn't it? Certainly, a tap-in. I would have took a tap-in in in a cup final because that is one of your proudest moments. Growing up, my mum and dad made me watch every single cup final and it was such a big thing in our family. So to play in five, which I was very lucky to do, was brilliant, but to score in one was extra special, definitely. Nice. Well, another one from Tom S, uh, who asks, how difficult were those last four games after the title was won in the 03-04 Invincible season? The hardest bit was the last four games, definitely. I mean, we didn't realise, we, we didn't, it's like Jose Marino now. I know they lost to Newcastle last week. He wouldn't have been thinking about the unbeaten season. We wouldn't have been thinking about it in December, November, December. It's such fine lines as well, because remember Van Nistelrooy missed a penalty in September, Last kick of the game. So, you know, you put your house on him usually scoring. And we would have lost in September. So, um, we win the league at White Hart Lane. And then the next four games is the hardest. Because I think Arsene Wenger really said to us, look, let's focus on these four games. And we, believe it or not, we had Fulham, Portsmouth, um, Birmingham and Leicester City. So, four games on paper we should definitely win. So, that was, the, that was hard. We drew two of them. And won the other two. And there was times in the Portsmouth game, especially away from home, we was right up against it. And, but we always had players on the pitch that knew, never knew when we was beaten. Always said we could nick a goal out of nothing. And it wasn't the greatest four performances we've ever had, but we knew we could grind that result. And the last game of the season, believe it or not, was 1-0 down. Half-time to Leicester City. Paul Dickoff, one of our ex-players, scores the only goal. Um, and then Arsene Wenger was like, come on, lads, this is a massive opportunity. And we end up beating them 2-1. So, you know, we always had great players in the team. Will Tord, Henri Burkamp, we could score your goal out of nothing. So, you know, it's a great season. It really was. But the main objective, obviously, was winning the league. And uh, we managed to do that. And that's what Jose Mourinho's main objective this season is. Thank you very much for those tweets, for all of you that tweeted in. This is a Christmas special. It's a Q&A with Ray Parler with HTC. And if you missed any of our podcasts during the group stages of the Champions League or our review show, uh, HTC Pubcast, you can go to iTunes and Audio Boom and you can download them. We're going to continue the questions from up here uh, on the panel. And I know that Hayley McQueen is itching to get one in. Because obviously this is a little Christmas present to you listeners and to our audience, and we like to celebrate this time of year, 
What about Christmas parties, Ray? What have been some of the best Christmas parties that you've attended and, and who was the most fun? Um, uh, Christmas parties, uh, to be fair, Christmas is every day of the, of the year, really. I mean, when we was playing early doors, I mean, but Christmas parties, we, you know, we probably out for a couple of days, that's the only problem. Um, you know, you had, you had Tony Adams at the time, Paul Merson, Steve Bowles. Steve Bowles was the biggest drinker by a mile. I mean, he was much bigger than Tony Adams and Paul Merson, um, and then myself, and he, we, had, we had a great team spirit then. Um, Did you go in for that fancy was, dress it, stuff? Or? Uh, not really. I think I because saw a picture of Liverpool. Liverpool like, boys do that, don't like they? footballers don't know how to enjoy themselves anymore, so they have to force themselves into big yeah, sumo man costumes I don't think we've done that. I don't think we've done I can't remember all dressing up in that. That was a bit more naughtier at our parties. Oh, yeah. I can't really mention it, really, Come what we on, got Ray. to. Come on, Ray. <laughs> well, I was going to say... Behind sort, closed doors, it was. Sort <laughs> of tied in with Christmas, so it could be a Christmas event okay. I guess what's the worst ever player bust up that you've witnessed it used to happen a lot Martin Keane used to kick Dennis every single day in training <laughs> and he used to always to square up with each other but you know after the after training everybody shake each other's hand and Martin used to say to Dennis I'm doing you a favour here because in the Premier League they will kick you like this every single week so really, he toughened him up a little bit. So that, that happened in training a, a lot. And it, that, I, I think that's good sometimes. The problem you have is that when you got, especially on a, a Friday was a nightmare for us, I think, because we used to do an 8v8, and them eight players always wanted to beat them eight players and vice versa. And the tackles used to fly in. Arsenal would be going, no, no tackles, no tackles. And we'd be trying to do each other because we wanted to win that 8v8. But if you put all them 16 lads together in a team, you had half a decent team because everybody was winners. Everybody wanted to win the game, and it was only it was only competitiveness that sometimes went around. You might be late in a tackle, and someone square up to you in training, but that's no problem. And you know what? We had the best dressing room ever. I mean, there was never no, any problems. If you had a problem on the pitch, it all be sorted out there and then. Shake people's hand and get on with it. Simple as that. Because it, it's impossible not to have problems. But you know, I, I didn't really see a lot of them. We had a, probably when we played in games, we had, we had a massive punch up once with uh, Coventry City, a half time in the tunnel at Highbury. And I always remember George Graham was trying to do his team talk while the police were interviewing people around the dressing room, and he was ta- they were taking notes down. And George was trying to do his uh, team talk, but you know, proper, you know, proper. It was like a brawl in the, in the Highbury Tunnel, which was only a small tunnel, and the police were in the middle of it and all sorts. So you imagine that, George Graham trying to have a go at us, and, and the police are saying, what, what happened there? And they take notes down of what happened. So that was probably the worst brawl we had, and a couple with Man United. Yeah, I was going to say, not, not the only brawl that Arsenal have been involved in. We've all eaten pizza at half-time here, so uh, <laughs> brings back a few memories, perhaps. Uh, I was going to stick with Christmas and ask you about your Christmas wish list. When you were a player, so if we re- rewind 10, 15 years now, what would be on your Christmas list? To, Christmas get, fi- wish to get five list. bookings so I can miss Boxing Day. <laughs> 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 uh, As a player, what did you uh, always want uh, to do? What, what did, did you miss out we on? Did, we didn't really celebrate Christmas, believe it or not. Look, you was always with your uh, families on Christmas Day. But how routine was, train Christmas Eve, tr- come in uh, Christmas Day morning, so you train, have a quick shower, we wouldn't have a long session, go home with your families, have your dinner, and meet at Highbury, or wherever it was, at six o'clock in the evening. And then we go to a hotel, mm. straight in your rooms, ready for the game Boxing Day, because a lot of the time, we, we was playing early, 12 o'clock them days, sometimes, uh, Boxing Day, and hopefully you was always playing at home. Sometimes you did play away, which is a nightmare. Uh, and, and 12 o'clock... Once we finished then, then we might go out for a couple of beers after the game. But then these days you play 28th now, so you, don't, you can't really, you don't really have a Christmas. But look, what you, about, sacrifice, you don't mind that, you sacrifice What it. about things you always wanted 
as a player, if you were to rewind on that Christmas list, list, would you have wanted a big money move away? Would you have wanted to come up against a certain player? Were there things that you didn't do during your career that you kind of would have put on your Christmas wish list? Not really. I, I never really wanted to leave Arsenal. I left right at the end of my career, 32 years mm. old. Um, I still thought I could play on a regular basis. And Middlesbrough, I went there. I had a really good season. My knee was going a little bit, I must admit. But Arsene Wenger more or less said, look, we've got a young Fabregas coming through. He's going to be playing a little bit more often, <laughs> which is fair enough. Whatever um, happened to him. And, and I, I, said I, him, I said to him, can I have a two-year contract? young con- Spanish guy called Fabregas. We think he yeah. might be And he was good. a top player. I mean, yeah. when he used to train with us, he was brilliant. He was a little bit like Wilshire when he started training with us. He, you know, he, had, he was so good at 15 years old that uh, you're thinking he will definitely make it. Because you can tell some players he'll definitely make it. A nod to Hayley McQueen, because I watched the class of 96... And I must admit, one of the things that I loved hearing about was the initiations. You told me a few of those stories because you were at Manchester United and heard some of those. I wondered what initiation stories you might have because nowadays it's pretty boring. They sing in a restaurant. If you didn't know that now, that's what they do. They stand on a table, they sing for each other, that's it. But in your day... Well, um, it's it's quite funny because once once you got into the first team, this was a big thing. I was 17 years old when I travelled with the first team and uh, I went up on a train because someone was ill in in the hotel. Get yourself up as quick as you can. Thanks very much. And I always remember Tony Adams. He was my closest mate. um, And he came in and said, Ray, you've got to do a speech tonight in front of all the lads at at, uh, dinner. I was thinking, oh, no. He said, but I said to him, what do you say? He said, well, thank the manager, thank the players, be honest, just, you know, be honest with people, say, oh, it's great to be here and go for you, come for the uh, youth system and, and whatever. And he said, whatever you do, just say something about the manager's tank top because George Graham had his tank top on. But I thought he'd be serious. So anyway, I stood up in the evening. I said, oh, thanks, boss, for inviting me to. I'm really honoured to be with all these great players and a great manager. And I kept going on. And at the end, I went... And the lad, I really like your tank top, boss. And his face, it was like this. Because you never could say anything about George Graham's clothes. He always thought he was right cool and whatever. So you could see all the lads go, oh, my God. Why did he say that? And George Graham's face, I never, I remember, sit down, he went. I went, oh, no. And Tony Adams was laughing after. I said, Tony, why did you just stitch me up like that for? Bloody nightmare. He said, oh, well, this is, this is what you've got to learn. This is what you've got to do. There was another time we used to sing carols when he was a youth team player. That was good. Stand on a box. And them days you used to clean the boots and you was hoping for a big tip. I was on about twenty-seven fifty a week. So if you had someone big, they might give you 50 quid. So it's two weeks' wages, happy days. So one day, I always remember Tony Adams was being called a donkey on a regular basis and it was all in the papers. And my song was Little Donkey. <laughs> so as I stood up, I said, Little Donkey, looked at Tony and he chased me whole, all the way around on a thing. And he used to throw a big bucket of water over your head. So, But we had some great times. I mean... Early in, early in my career, it was, uh, you can come in the pub with us now. That was 17 years old, which was a real honour. You could go in the pub with all the first team. I was with Tony, and one day we was out in, where was we, Hong Kong. And we'd gone out for the day, and Stuart Houston was our manager, 94, 95, roughly around that era. And he said to us, he said, um, you're right, you can go shopping today. So me, Steve Bowl, Nigel Whitnerburn, and Tony Adams, walked down the road, 50 yards, Irish bar. Can we have a quick one? Yeah, why not, why not? Straight in this Irish bar. The woman was still hoovering up. She was hoovering up the floor. So can we wait, the old cliche, can we wait to, to have a drink? Can we have one while we wait or something like that? So the next minute we're in there. We've got to be back at 6 o'clock, 5 o'clock. 10 to 6, I say, lads, we've got to go. Tony Adams, I'm the manager, we're staying here. I said, all right, Tony, no problem. 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, we're still in this pub. 
can't believe it. We're absolutely the guy's giving us free drinks. He's packed in there. We've got a big party back at the hotel after. Bring all these people back. So now the manager comes up to me and says, "We've got a massive problem." What's that? He said, Tony, uh, your captain has just fell off the end of the bar and he's laying on the dance floor. So Tony Adams sprawled out on the dance floor, six foot four, people are dancing around him. So we're like that. <laughs> we got to get him up. So we dragged him out, up. We got him back somehow to the hotel and I'm rooming with him. So Steve bowled me and threw him on his bed. We were out of our heads as well, to be fair. So I've gone in the, in the, in the uh, bathroom. I could hear him on the phone doing something. Like, What's he doing? So you could hear, bang, bang, bang. I didn't think nothing of it. Come back out, he's Sparco, all his clothes on, Sando. So I get into bed. I was probably in bed an hour, and then all of a sudden I got a knock on the door. I think, who's that? So I look through the little peephole, little Chinese guy standing there. So he said, what does he want? So I opened the door, all right, mate? He went, room service. I said, no, I think you've got the wrong room. It ain't this room. Yeah, it's definitely this room. Next minute, I look round. We've got nine trolleys of sandwiches coming in our room. <laughs> and I'm parking them, saying, can you put two up there, two there, one there, one in the bathroom? I was, I was surrounded by sandwiches. <laughs> And this was what Tony Edwards was like. He was obviously Sparco, so I might have had one sandwich gone to bed, so we got, we're surrounded by sandwiches. <laughs> Eight o'clock next morning, he wakes up right as rain, Tony. Always was right as rain next morning. All right, Ray, nudges me. I'm like, oh, what, all right, Tony? He went, what a night last night, wasn't it? Great night. I said, Tony, you ruined it. You fell off the end of the bar. I was lying on the dance floor. And he went, I can't remember that. I can't remember that. Then he looked round the room and he went, was you hungry last night? What? <laughs> so that's the sort of character Tony was, and that's probably why he had to give up his drinking he hasn't drunk now for 18 years which is a real credit to himself because he has always had willpower and he always had problems with drinking and fall over and all sorts so uh, he's done the right thing there what was the question (laughs) (laughs) Uh, before rain melts under the lights and the rest of us do as well it is really hot under here i've lost two stone here (laughs) i might get alan brazil up here he'd like it up here can we have a big round of applause it'd be like a shower now can we been our Q&A with Ray Parler. Thanks, thanks to Lindsay. HTC. Enjoyed thanks that. very thanks, much. Thank you. Um, thank you very much as well for downloading and thanks for our continued support from HTC as well. It's been a pleasure covering the Champions League group stages, hasn't it? It certainly has. We've loved every minute. We've been working hard, preview shows, review shows, but it's been a pleasure the whole way through and um, yeah, we've really enjoyed it. Who's going to win it though, girls? Anyone Who's going to win it? Oh. Come on. It's a tough one this year. I'm going to go Chelsea. Why not? I don't think it will be Chelsea. I think it's going to be a toss-up between Bayern Munich and Real Madrid. 100% Real Madrid. Okay. It's one thing left for us to say then. Seems as this was an added extra for a festive time of year. All together, if I count us in three, two, one, you know the two words, don't you, that I want you to say? (laughs) Three, two, one. Merry Merry Christmas. Hi, I'm Darren Goff. I'm Ricky the Hitman Hatter. I'm Ray Parler. Hi, I'm Ant. Hi, this is Dick. And we'd just like to wish everybody out there a very Merry Christmas. <laughs> Breaking news, everyone. Stand by your beds. This is Jim White. Hi, this is Kirsty Gallagher. Hi, this is Ozzy Osbourne. Season's greetings and all the best for a safe and happy holiday season. Hi, I'm Matt Letitia. Hi, I'm Jeff Stelling. I'm Gary Neville. Hello, everybody. This is Mariah Carey. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Merry Christmas to all our listeners. The Offside Rule Euro Show is brought to you by HTC. Official smartphone of the UEFA Champions League and UEFA Europa League.